0: Hey friend, welcome to The Quest, the podcast featuring three guys who happen to be on staff at the First Christian Church in Cookville, Tennessee, having conversations about following and pursuing God with all of our hearts and helping the church live authentic, Christ-following lives in a post-Christian culture. Hey friends, welcome to The Quest once again. uh, I forget what episode. Is this number four? Four, Uh, yeah. Four? All right. All right. Three guys on staff here at the First Christian Church. Uh, my name is Brad. I'm the lead minister. Josh Hale is here. He's our youth minister and Jared Wilson is our uh, director of music and we just decided some weeks ago that we were getting together and having coffee once a week and talking and we thought we got to capture some of this, right? We got to create something. And so that's turned into the quest. Um, we get together every week and we discuss life. We' right now we're going through a book and uh, we're talking about um, family, driven faith um so we're, we're talking about faith pursuing god in a post-christian world um pursuing god with all of our hearts what does that look like in today's world um so we welcome you in we're glad you're here we encourage you to leave a comment like share follow all those things to help the show um to grow and uh today we are going to talk about a chapter called give them your heart and uh it's a very appropriately titled chapter um And i got to be honest, I I don't know where we're going to go or how we're going to get there, but I'm excited and I think that uh, I'd like to just begin with prayer and ask the Lord to to guide our discussion. Father, we are grateful for your truth. Mm. Uh, I think that really came out in this chapter and we live in a world of shifting sand big time um, where truly uh, folks don't know up from down and uh, your word gives us such great clarity and wisdom. Um, help us, Father, guide us by your spirit to have a, a helpful discussion that will uh, that'll be fun for us, that'll bring, bring glory to you, that will not just be fun, but be edifying and helpful for those who listen as well. Um, Lord, all to your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, of course, the context is family-driven faith, mm-hmm. um, because we could just go off and talk about the topic big time, but we'll keep it kind of centered around parenting, passing your faith on to your kids and specifically, um, giving them your heart. Okay. What does that, what is, what is body trying to say there? Let's just start there. Okay. When he says, give your kids your heart. What is his thing there? What is he trying to say?
1: I mean, part of it is, I think just this whole idea of letting them see the, the real you, uh, being authentic, um, with what you believe, what your you know, what your faith is. Um, mm-hmm. well, okay.
0: Okay. I, I, I set you up cause I knew where, where I was coming from with that question. <laughs> I hope you know, you know where you're did. <laughs> well, Verse six, Deuteronomy six, yeah, right? verse six. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts mm-hmm. and body made a big deal about the fact that, um, this isn't just intellectual head knowledge, right? This is who you are. The word of God has shaped your very worldview. There's the key word, right? That we're going to be talking about. It's shaped how you view life, ethics, man, decisions, what's right, what's wrong, everything. And so when when you give your kids your heart, this is what I grew from the title. You're giving them your entire worldview, mm-hmm. your, which includes your faith and all of it, right? Um, um, so, um, wow. I mean, it's just a huge, huge challenge. right? So, and, so,
2: so the issue is... Is making sure that your worldview is a biblical basis. Yeah. So that's where it starts, right? And, and yeah, so, so it comes down to that because it's not just a set of rules. It is an outpouring of your heart. It's it's that authentic relationship that is being demonstrated in, in real time in front of your kids every day. They are picking up whatever it is you, your, your jaded opinions, your you know, rose tinted glasses. They see it right. and they see it as the gospel truth.
1: So, what do you guys think about the word indoctrination?
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> well, okay. I'm mean, hey. I, I, I'm not going to be phased. I, I, I mean, it, it it tends historically to have like a, a negative connotation. It yeah. really does. But but we the fact is we're all indoctrinated. Yes. Yeah.
2: R- period. In in varying ways. Yes. Right.
0: Right. And 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 uh, my personal thought is if it's truth if we're indoctrinated that every single time I jump off a building, I will fall. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good indoctrination. Right? (laughs) So, so I think what it comes down to is your indoctrination, uh, uh, sincerely, genuinely tied to the truth. Yeah. Um, so, and and it's important. I think that's almost, we could almost say that's what God's saying here. Indoctrinate your kids. Mm -hmm.
1: That's what, um, he has a quote from Peter Craigie, Craigie. Mm -hmm. Um, page 72, 73, uh, that pretty much says this whole idea of on our heart, think, meditate, uh, so that obedience is not a form of legalism, mm-hmm. but a response based upon understanding. And if our kids don't have that solid understanding of what biblical truth is, indoctrination, as we would say right, it, right. Um, then the choices that they make will not be of any good. Right. Sure.
0: It's, it's that void Or thought that if we don't give them a worldview, an indoctrination,
2: they will get one. Given the world will, (laughs)
0: yes, right, yeah, they will grow up with. We have to have some insanity is having no worldview, nothing to tether any decision to. You have no clue what to do, right? So we 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 instinctively fill that void with some grid Mm -hmm. to figure life out. Well, and and
2: the the struggle there is the assumption worldviews, the, the ones that we don't know that we have, that we just assume. Yeah. Um, so, so I was, I had a breakfast with, with Amelia and she's six years old, so I can't have really, you know, theologically deep conversations, but she surprises me often. So we were, we were talking about perspective. And so we're, we're sitting at the table and there's a box of cereal between us. And, and so I asked Amelia, I'm like, Amelia, what color is the box? She's like, well, it's purple. So no, it's not, it's green no, it's not. It's purple. And so I grabbed the box, I flip it around and the other side was, was green. I'm like, the truth is that there is a box sitting on the table. The truth is that one side of it's green and one side of it's purple. The perspective that you have and that you're assuming I have is what you see.
0: Right. Right. You see it from where you see it and you assume the other side looks the same.
2: And that's what we see of of God. You know, when we, we first become Christians, what we know of God, of who he is, his character and all this is this infinitesimal spot the singular point that we know we are sinners and He saved us. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Then we grow and we and we do, we learn that that dot isn't actually a dot. We are looking down a line, and then sure. we, as that rotates around and our perspective changes, we see that's a line. Our and then view of
0: God gets bigger.
2: It gets bigger, and yeah, then we more grow more. And then we realize it's not a line; it's a plane. Okay, now 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 I got to interject because that is exactly what I
0: was kind of getting at in the ride over here about Romans twelve two. Yeah. Okay. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. We could just say, don't buy into the world's grid. Yeah. The world's way of viewing life, but be transformed. I.E. made into a, a, grow to the point that your, your whole view of life is God's. Mm -hmm. And we do that through filling our heart up with his word, Mm -hmm. right? It
2: is his worldview. So we have to make the assumption that our worldview must be wrong. We have to start and say, okay, well, what does the scripture say? Not read into scripture, but allow scripture to read into right, us. Right, 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 right. And allow, because otherwise we're, we're just, oh yeah, that fits my worldview. We can read scripture that way and say, oh no, this fits and this justifies my position. Yeah, not to but get. Be, to be transformed. Yes. means to actually be changed. In order to be changed, you have to recognize that you have something that needs changing and allow him to do it. The whole
1: humility. That's what, I mean, and Body talks about that. Of one, we have to understand what a worldview is, uh, and then two, uh, if our worldview is supposed to be conformed to, or transformed into the likeness of God, then that means our worldview is wrong, mm-hmm. and we have to, yeah, humble ourselves yeah. enough to, to say, okay, change it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's funny how worldview can kind of use be used interchangeably with a lot of other words, but I think about the whole, the gospel. Mm-hmm. It starts with a declaration that we're broke, which means that something from the outside has told us that somebody broke into our world and told us this is right and this is wrong and you don't measure up. And so there has to be some humility and acceptance of that, which is a big step on our part. And so the whole thing of receiving Christ, which is essentially just death to self, goodbye, old worldview, or Or, if I still have remnants of that worldview in my mind, I'm acknowledging and holding them openly, saying, yeah. Lord, change anything that needs to be changed, and the whole notion of calling Jesus Lord. Mm-hmm. you're the one that gets to decide. you know I, I was hearing Rick Warren one time saying, you know when 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 when, when you say, But why? you're not a disciple then.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's what he was saying because yeah. disciples don't question the once <laughs> you've
0: acknowledged <laughs> that Jesus is Lord. It's kind of like your kids coming to you every time you ask them to, you know, do something that you're trying to, but why, but why, but why? Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) that just gets so wearisome, right? As sometimes, um, but anyway, anyway, I'm
2: sorry. Um, that was a rabbit trail, but, um, why one of God's characteristics is long suffering because we do that to him. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: But just that whole, the whole, the whole Christian life begins with a, a humble, bowing and acknowledgement that he is the source of truth and right. And that
2: we are the absolute truth.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And we, we, we need him to show us the way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then we grow in that huge. Um, but obviously the world around us doesn't share that worldview.
2: Nope. <laughs> um, not at all. I so I, 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 obviously, it's a it's a truncated you know list of, of the elements of the worldview. But I really did like all of the el- specific elements that he pulled out to, to you know define what a secular worldview is mm-hmm. in opposition to that biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. What were some so of those? I didn't bring my book. Oh, 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 so would you mind, uh, Josh, reading the, that list?
1: And he uses the five basic elements. Uh, he talks about God, man, truth, knowledge, and ethics. Correct? What you believe that's about what, those Yeah, things. what you believe about those things. Um, and so secular humanism, uh, atheism versus Christian theism. Um, that's the view of God. Uh, view of man uh, for secular is evolution versus the Christian worldview of special creation. Um, the view of truth, secular is relative while Christian is absolute, mm-hmm. um, view of knowledge. Um, secular is scientific materialism, naturalism, while Christian, uh, is scientific, general, natural revelation. Right. And then view of ethics, um, secular looks at culture, um, or cultural and then Christians is absolute.
0: Right. Right. Wow. I mean, there's so much there to unpack. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this, the one that really grabbed me while you were just reading them there is our view of knowledge. And, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the truth project with Del Tackett that it's, it's a phenomenal series. He better than anyone I've ever heard. Ex- explains revelation. And he describes the cosmos as a box. He just makes it very simple. Here's the box. We live in the box. And for as far as we know, The box is all there is. Right. And we have no idea about there being anything outside the box. So it's natural that left to ourselves, we would just assume that everything we know about truth is what we've learned about the box and that God lives both in and outside of the box. And he has broken into the box with knowledge and understanding about who he is and how things should work. And given it to us, and that's revelation. Mm-hmm. But if you don't buy that, and your only
2: view Every, is, Yeah, no, everything's predicated on that. Right. Yeah. Either you acknowledge that, and then everything can come from that, or you don't acknowledge that, and then, yeah, I, I totally understand where the secular worldview comes from.
0: Yeah. And why they just can't even line up with anything we say. We, yeah. we sound crazy.
2: Yeah. Uh, you either buy it or you
0: don't. Paul, the message of the gospel is foolishness, mm-hmm. or the cross. To those who are being, who are perishing, what you're whacked, That's nuts. <laughs> and I get it. Yep, makes you perfect know? sense. Yeah. Um, okay, I think this might be a good place to to drop this in. He was talking about a few worldviews, and um, and and it it made me think how the church has been impacted by secular humanism and the worldviews of you know, um, just the views of the world. Um, The one that really nailed me was utilitarianism. And the definition of utilitarianism, if there are pastors listening, just sit down and prepare because you're going to be like, oh, my goodness, this is so true. His definition of utilitarian or the definition is um, that the happiness of the majority Mm -hmm. should drive our decision making about what we do. Right. Because that's our goal. We Mm -hmm. want the majority to be happy. That's not biblical. No. Right. Very often what's right may not make the majority happy, but that is what is the right thing to do. It, if the biblical worldview is what you're following. Right. Um, I bang my head against the utilitarian worldview all the time. Right. We are so afraid of the majority not being happy. Sure. That we cave. Yeah. I don't know where we go with that, man, but, (laughs) and and I think it also explains why when we passionately try to convey to people our biblical reasons for doing what we're doing, I'm not trying to judge anybody's heart. I'm just saying I've experienced that they look at me like, you're crazy. What are you even talking about? Because they don't share that worldview that the scriptures are the final authority. I mean, they would say they do. But with their actions they demonstrate that really their happiness kind of trumps that. Oh, I hate mm-hmm. saying that. You know it feels so harsh but it's so true it's just true. Um, and I guess I bring that up as, as an illustration because that's the world our kids are growing up in right And they need to be aware of that. Yeah that they're going to con- they're going to encounter conversations where they stand with God. It doesn't make people happy. No, quite the contrary. People will assume that they're wrong because they're not making people happy. Right. Cause that's what your utilitarian worldview mm-hmm. says. And sometimes you just have to stand, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Another book that I'm reading right now, um, when it talks about this whole family discipleship aspect of things, um, they just flat out say, this is one way. If, if you want a popular kid, don't do this. (laughs) If you want a kid that's going to fit in everywhere, don't do this. Mm -hmm. But if you want a child who knows the truth about God, who will hopefully grow up. And we, we all know situations where you, you teach a kid the way it should go and they still depart. They still have to make their own decision to follow Christ. Um, Yeah, sure. But, the majority, if you teach this while they're young and ha- truly have this foundation set of this is what truth is, this is who God is, this is you have a lot better what, chance. Yeah, you have a lot better chance, and I'm, I'm in the point. I mean, we we've started homeschooling Ellie, and I'm just to the point. I was like, I'm okay if she's not the popular one. Right. I mean, well, she's she will got, be the popular one in your school. Oh yeah, it's very true. Most. I mean, she's the best. <laughs> Number one. Our, yeah. Our best student right there. She's also the worst student. That's basically. true. <laughs> <laughs> Homeschool kid here. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's that understanding for for myself and for Bethany of yeah, we get that, but we would rather her have a true and and solid understanding of what scripture says about truth and who God is mm-hmm. than Yeah. I I think being that out in the
0: world. Stirs to my mind thoughts like um and I, I wish I could reference Chapter and verse for some of these thoughts, but just the the acknowledgement that, that Jesus was a man of sorrows, mm. and there's kind of a teaching throughout Scripture that godliness and sorrow kind of go hand in hand. And and I've thought about Jesus's statement, "Blessed are those who mourn." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know it's easy to run to for they shall be comforted, right? It's, we 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 kind of run to that that we lost someone in death. And we mourn that. And that's maybe a piece of it. I really think blessed are those who look at the world and just mourn.
2: Yeah. Because if we have God's heart, we see the brokenness.
0: And, it, and, and 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 the weird thing is when you stand on that confidently, you will be labeled all kinds of things. Yep. Arrogant. And who do you think you are? And yeah. and, and that's part of your mourning.
1: Right, because
0: they're yeah. like, no, 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 that's so, so not what's driving this.
1: Yeah. Um, <coughs> excuse and, me. And at the same time, if if you want to sit there and call me an extremist in in a biblical sense, or because I I'm wanting to follow God's word as best as I can, I'm okay with that. Like <laughs> yeah. You and Christ is, follower. Yeah. And all of this is the struggle. Yeah. If you're yeah. not a minister and you're listening, this is all of this is a struggle that ministers. Face every single day of trying to find that good balance of yes, we want our people um, in the congregation to be happy and enjoy what 's going on, but at the same time we can't shy away from what scripture says and what the holy Spirit's leading us yeah, and yeah. so it 's this this tension or tightrope that we 're walking of okay, at any point you know we we can either make God. Upset or angry or whatever because of us not following him, yeah. or we can make our people angry or upset because <laughs> we're not doing what they want, um, and we're always. Yeah. I I'm, I guess I'm speaking on, on no. my behalf. And I know from um, talks with you guys, for sure, we're always going to err on the side of let's please God rather than let's please people. I was just going to say, who, who do you really want to irritate yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, or repent later? Yeah. <laughs> well, I yeah. Mean, you know, I mean, I'm just being we, honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. we yeah. do stuff where we look sure. back and say, why mm. did we do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many places in scripture again. I know the phrases. I can't think of the, 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 the address, uh, you know, we must obey God, not man. Yeah. Peter. Um, um, what's the other one? Um, do not fear those who can harm the body, but only those, but, but the one who can harm, throw both your body and your soul in hell, yeah. right? Jesus said right. that. Uh, that whole thing, um, it's difficult. Um, it made me think about, and this gets back to worldview and how we define things. And, and last time we were talking about love and what the world teaches about love and I also think that people use the word love uh, when you're talking about how you deal with people that equate love with being nice, mm-hmm. right? You're not being nice. Therefore you can't be loving that person. I don't think biblical love is always nice. No, right? Not right. um at all. Or, uh, sometimes if, um, and, and, but I, I we experienced that in the church. I think that that has crept in. um you know so you you take a stand you're you're passionate you've studied scripture you've spent your time on your knees you've your your leadership is has uh you know really and truly sought God which <clears throat> coming into the position is everything they told you that they wanted you to do and so you 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 really seek god for something you present it and it doesn't fit the utilitarian view yeah and now you're like ah oh. and I, I, I don't know I'm sorry. I didn't mean to turn this into a therapy session for, for me, but, um, you know, for ministers, um, but
1: part of what, I mean, we see Jesus do all throughout the gospel is, okay, this is what you want, but I'm going to meet your need. And then you'll recognize why I met that instead of your want. Right. Um, and so part of it is, and I love that through this whole, the beginning part of this chapter, um, Body just says, you know, going to church is not enough. Biblical worldview is both taught and caught. And so this is one of those things where it is the family's, you know, mom and dad's job, main job to do this. But the church is here to help in that process. And even if that means opening up the eyes to this is what we need, this is what the world needs, this is what your family needs. Um, You might not want that or you might not like that right now but this is truly what we see scripture say we need. And so therefore we're going to pursue that. And you will, I believe the Holy spirit will open up eyes to the understanding.
0: Well, I think we've talked about this before. The flesh never wants what you need on the front end. Yeah. Um, When you submit, which is hard, which doesn't feel, you know, rainbows and lollipops happy. (laughs) Right. But when you do that, and then you go through the other side and you reap the good fruit of having done that, of the discipline on the mm-hmm. front end that forced you to lay your flesh down and do what God was calling you to do. This is what I think is a huge component of Christian maturity. The more you do that, the more you build a body of awareness that you've, I've walked down the road and every time I've learned, I don't always want to do what I need to do. But every time I submit to God's word and do it, it's good. Yeah. The fruit is good and I'm I'm have more joy and I'm happier. And so we more consistently begin to do that. And it gets easier from the perspective of, hey, I know the fruit's coming. Right. You know? Uh you help me, Jared. Huge. Yes. Psalm thirty seven four. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I think this verse so epitomizes this. Sure. Early in my journey, I was like, okay, if I do the stuff God wants me to do, he'll give me the stuff I want. Right. And I had to learn. No, no, no. When it's when I truly come to the place where Brad is gone, he's laid his desires down and he's embraced God's desires. God's desires have been been mine. I delight myself in God. Yeah. Then I discover that he knew what the true desires of my heart were all along. And now I'm really sad. He put them there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he created me, and I didn't even know what they were. Right. I thought I did. Yeah. And so, how many people re- live their whole life pursuing what they think they want, resisting God, and they never find it because of that? Most.
1: Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Worldview. It yeah. is. Which I mean, that's going back to Deuteronomy six. It, you know, this portion of it uh, where it talks about the heart. Um, I just love how the wording is. It's a complete overhaul of our worldview, the way we think, you know, um, the description that they give for worldview, uh, it's the glasses, how we see the world. It's our assumptions, not just critical analysis, but what we assume, like you were saying with the with the cereal box, Jared, right. and then our big picture. And that's the sum total of, of the way we view the world and then our assumptions. Um, and what God is calling his people to do is, the world looks this way and I'm asking you to completely rethink how you do stuff, how you see stuff, how you talk about stuff um, because I want you're my people. I've called you out. You're set apart. And so I want you to look at things this way that will then impact the world around you, um, which we've said, I think every single time in this podcast, our world is just, it's as dark as it has ever been. Mm -hmm. Um, And the more we take this, firm stance on this is what truth is the brighter we shine,
0: the brighter we shine. And, um, you know, part of this, this, I did not get to the very end of the chapter about legalism, but we were talking about it a little bit. But as you talked about what you were just saying, uh, Josh made me think that a huge part of the, of the Christian worldview and Deuteronomy six bears this out too. When he says, love the Lord, your God, not obey. Right. Because we've, we've, if we haven't said it already, we need to, uh, love loving God will lead to obeying God, Mm -hmm. but arbitrarily choosing to obey can be motivated by lots of things. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so anyway, um, it won't be as consistent. So if you love the Lord, um, you live your life and the commands of God now become a, a, a way to do what your heart desires to do, which is please the Lord. You want to honor the Lord. Well, how do I do that? Well, he's told us, Here's my commands, and and that's why it's not relative, right? Because loving Him is the North Star every single time. I, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I want to please the Lord. What does His Word say about how to please Him? Here it is. Boom. That's my worldview, and 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 that's why it's like when I talk to I've had so many discussions with people in the world about all kinds of ethical and you know what's right and wrong in this area and culture and all that, and they will accept that what I say is a way. Sure. You know, that's your point of view. Right. And then they'll throw in all the relative. What about this? What if this, what about in this circumstance or that situation? And it's like, yeah, but the, for the Christian, the the North star never changes. Right. I always want to please the Lord. You know, it's, it's not about what pragmatism says is easiest. It's not about what utilitarian says will please or make the most people happy. No, That's not my North star. Right. I want to honor God, which I think also defends a, or keeps us. Or guards us from legalism. Because as long as it's about relationship.
2: Yeah. If it's, if it's an outpouring of the heart, then, then yeah, we don't have to worry about it being legalistic. Right. Right. But the, the issue in my mind then is conveying that to our kids. Because mm. we have to show them that it isn't just us obeying a bunch of rules. Even though we actually we are following the rules, it's not. Why we're following the rules? Why we're following the rules is because we're pursuing a pr- relationship with God, and the natural outcome of that is following His rules. Yeah, right. But you, all they're you, seeing you from you keep the, the, the train outside, in
0: front of the yeah, the, the, the caboose, the, or whatever, the horse like before that. the cart, right.
2: So, so all they're seeing though. So we have to have these conversations. We have to convey to them. It's like, no, no, no. no this is why. Yeah. Um, I was talking to Amelia this morning uh, about you know, reading your Bible. She's just like, well, "What is it?" And, and we, we we're just talking about, you know, this is a love letter from God to he's introducing himself to you. He wants to, you know, and we talked about being a pen pal and I had to explain what a pen pal was to her. (laughs) Which (laughs) half, you just lost half our eyes. I know, right? It's like, this is a different age. She's like, I don't understand you could just FaceTime him. You know, it's
0: like, (laughs) it's a stick that ink comes out of and you put it down on paper.
2: (laughs) I'm like, no, 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 You, you gotta understand these conversations happened over years. I mean, people had like entire chess games, Oh, with their pen pals. You yeah, know, right, right. That, that took, okay, never you, mind. Never you, mind, never you, mind never totally mind. off the topic. Yeah. But, you know, God is, is, is being, he's our pen pal. He's, he's, he's written this letter to us to introduce himself, to tell us who he is and who we are and how we're supposed to act and how to love him and how much he loves us and all this. And if they don't know that, if they don't have that context and if they're not reading it in that way, right? then yeah, the, I can see where legalism is a natural. Total totally. result. Totally. And,
0: and, and the intangible aspect of what you're describing there is as you're having that conversation with your daughter, it is coming through your heart, your personality, your passion, your relationship with her. All of those are the intangible parts and you're giving her information, but it's wrapped up in, she can perceive that this is coming from a, my daddy who loves God. Yeah. And, and this is real for him and this shapes his life. and, and it gives him structure and it produces peace and joy and you might not think about all those things, no. but, but it's, it's, there. it's, it's there. And that's part of shaping the worldview, um, made me think about, I'm, I'm so glad we did this without thinking about it. It happened though. Our family's very verbal. If you can imagine, um, we have had so many times just I call them discussions, very strong discussions in our family room. Kara, Josh, me, Kel, just debating, talking, hashing it out on whatever was going on and bringing scripture into it. And it was, I think he even talked about this, the, the our kids need to have some place where they learn how to articulate their faith, how to defend it, how to give reasons for it how to say but i this is why i stand where i stand you know all of that um and again i think that's why i'm not i think there's a place for classes i think there's a great place for curriculum i think that there is absolutely okay so don't don't get me wrong but what we're talking about right here is where you flesh that stuff out and you make application and and you you drive it deep into your heart you know and it, it becomes clear for you. Sure, it's huge. Well, I
2: think one of the best things about having that biblical worldview and, and, and fleshing that out is the consistency that comes from it. Mm-hmm. Because when you when you look at it from a, a secular worldview, it is the most inconsistent thing in the world because you have to have a different iteration for every permutation of possibilities, right? You have to, you know, Oh, well you're, you know, this race or you're that gender or you're, you have a different way of approaching everyone. Well, from a biblical standpoint, it's all the same, right? It doesn't matter if you're in Nigeria or if you're in. Created in the image of God, period. You are created in the image of God. You are loved by him. He died for your sins. He wants to know you. He wants to redeem you, right? And so we can, we can communicate with them and, and, and how much more comforting is it for the kids to have that consistent outlook going, oh, I don't have to, ha-, you know, change gears every time I talk to somebody new because, right. oh, they're in a different place. Sure. No, it's, I can talk to everyone regardless of their background. Right. It doesn't matter if you were grow up atheist or Baptist, it doesn't matter. Right. Ma- <laughs> right. I, I can talk to you the same. Because I know God, I know who he is. I know who I am and I know who you are.
0: Right. The assumptions you start with, i.e. your worldview really do impact the way you respond to everything. You know, it's huge, huge.
2: Um, um, well, I liked his, at the at the end of the chapter, he has a, that exercise of, of, you know, do, you know, sit down with your kids and, and go down through that list of all of the different, you know, areas of the, of the of your worldview and and you know answer these for yourself mm-hmm. you'd be surprised even with your spouse how different their worldview is somebody you know well than your own and then with your kids because they don't have that context you don't see them you, they don't understand the why's behind why you believe this they they'll maybe be able to reiterate what you've told them mm-hmm. but why they have no idea yeah, and so then that that really gives you a, a good basis to start from. Okay, we need to work on all of these things because you need to understand the why's. Or yeah. hey, I have this you know difference with my own spouse. Yeah. We need to work on work on that. Let's go to the Bible. What does the Bible say about? And let's 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 work this out.
0: Because if you don't know the why, you really don't know it. No, that's so good. Um, I texted Jody this morning. Jody's a friend of mine that is a professor at a Christian university in Eastern uh, Tennessee, Johnson University. And he told me something about the student body there. I don't know what it was like when you were there, Josh. When I was there, debates happened spontaneously everywhere. I mean, we'd be in the, the students' Uh, center sitting down drinking coffee and we'd dive into a topic and we'd go at it. We'd hash it out. We'd give our point of view, their point of view. We'd hash it out. We'd bring scripture in and we'd, we just hash this stuff out. That's awesome. Yeah. It was everywhere. Cool. Was just, if, in, in class, the professor would bring something up. And so I'd say, I don't know. I, you know, and, and we'd go at it sure. and we'd have these, these back and forth. And Jody said,
2: that's gone. That doesn't surprise me in the, in the slightest.
0: Nobody debates anything anymore.
2: No discourse is not a thing anymore.
0: Right. And I don't know if, I don't, is that because of this pluralism and this sense that, well, your truth is your truth and I don't want to yeah. really argue with you. Yeah. People? Relativistic, you know, yeah.
2: truth is definitely going to have a huge impact on that. Yeah.
0: Right. That's, that makes me, that bums me out dude. for, I mean, well, that's, that's, those are, these are people preparing for ministry. Uh, I was
2: just going to say, they're the ones that should not have that. opinion. Yeah.
0: I mean, there was such a hardcore, it's like. I mean, it was all just this debate on scripture and what scripture teaches. And we were like going at, but it was sharpening iron, iron sharpening yeah. iron. And that's kind of gone away. Yeah.
2: I was like, wow. So I me I, out. I, would posit that these ministers are, are um, ill prepared for ministry. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're learning they're stuff, but in... I don't
0: know that they have that depth of conviction to stand and say, hey, this is truth, period. This right. isn't negotiable, you know? Wow. That's freaking me out. But, but God always has a people. He's always a remnant. Yep. He knows what he's doing. Um, anyway, okay. I'll just go ahead and bring us to a close. This was good. Um, hope that it stirred some thoughts in you. Um, give them your heart. Parents know your worldview, know the scriptures, know the Lord, know why you believe what you believe. Press into him. Let his word transform your entire view of every part of life. And know that we're living to please him. And then give that to your kids, right, through your daily interaction, conversations, your whole life. Uh, Pour that into them. Um, uh, That's certainly what our prayer will be for you. And remember, again, to like, share, subscribe, and all those good things. Um, God bless you. I hope you have a great day. And Josh has something to say. He just raised
1: his hand. hand So please go ahead. Can I plug our family ministry resource page? Please do. Yes. Um, Jared, will you put the link in the description? Okay. Um, It's just a resource on our website uh, that we have uh, put together that just has a bunch of different resources for helping families kind of navigate family discipleship and what that might look like. And so uh, we just encourage you to check it out. Um, Hopefully there's something there that will benefit you. Uh, And then if not always feel free to contact us here at the church our information's on the website and we would love to help out in any way we can.
0: Awesome And to make this super simple uh, if you don't see the link anywhere, you can always just Google search first Christian Church, Cookville, Tennessee. Remember to put an E in the middle, C-O-O-K-E-V-I-L-L-E, and you'll find us and uh, it won't be hard to find those resources. Okay. Hey, thanks for for hanging with us a little bit. We'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye.